Oh, okay. Ah. And, you know what? Screw it. Let's roll right into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Whew. It is actually raining outside here in the land of sun and fun and drought. We are getting that water. Thank you, El Nino. Welcome to our tens of listeners. Another fun, exciting episode of TCAT, Theatrical Conjecture and Dissertation, a fancy name for an unfancy show. It is I, the legend, coming at you with the rain falling all around me. But I like the rain, so it's all good. And coming to you from that broke-ass state of Louisiana. <laughs> also, <laughs> rain falling all around us. That, But that rain is sad rain, because your former governor just... Raped just, the state and then dipped out? Just... Talking about he was going to be president? I mean, he... You know, that's the perfect thing. He raped and left. Didn't even stick around to say goodbye or... Didn't even cuddle afterwards. Like, he just dipped. There was no cuddling, and it was a hard raping, too. I mean, I want somebody to at least buy me dinner first. Damn. You didn't even you didn't even get a nice smack on the button to thank you. Nothing. Nope. Not even a cocktail. Nope. You just... that Basically, you got prison raped. That's what it was. And then, you know, because of that, you know, um, the film incentive is all but... Gone on and you know like scream queens is the first to officially because they got picked up for a second season they're the first to take advantage of california's new tax credits and they're moving back or moving to la for the second season mm-hmm. um i think salem's gonna stick around because they built that whole town you know right um and so, then so they'll probably just finish out what this what season they're already in well, they're going to finish out what season they're in, and I think that the WGN did not pick them up, but because they have the infrastructure already in place, it's the kind of show that'll get picked up by Netflix or Hulu. Mm. Probably the same for Underground. Right. Um, the Sky Show. I'm sorry. I'm starving. That's I'm okay. eating a box of vanilla wafers, y'all. Eat away. That's just what's up. Um, vanilla wafers are good. But what are we talking about today? Well, uh, what I was going to talk about was, I was just going to make, at least for me personally, I was just going to make a quick mention of the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, mainly, and you know, besides the whole Oscars, uh, so white dealio. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Quick mention on that is, it's like, look, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I can't comment about. You know, people always make the question, is Hollywood racist? It's, <laughs> it's like, look, I mean, you know. Obviously. You, you, will, f- uh, you will find your, your, your racist moments in any business or venture. So let's get that out the way. So will I say it is racist? I won't say that. I will say it'll definitely have its moments for sure. Um, I think the fact, again of uh second year in a row of say all white nominees in all the major categories is a bigger issue besides it's almost a bigger issue than race because a number one as i will say for all award shows who the hell picks these damn movies 
Right. Okay, n- number one, who who just decided that, oh, these movies, t- to me it's so arbitrary, it doesn't even make any sense. But I'll even ignore that. But then number two, I mean, it goes back to um, the only part of the Oscars I watched was the Chris Rock opening monologue, which I thought was good. And he made a great point. It's He says, hey, Leonardo gets a great script thrown at him every year. He always sees great scripts. Right. So I think it's just a matter of look. Just give people the opportunity to have a chance at great scripts and then, you know, take it from there. But um, th- that's a deeper issue of um, who is who is in these um, decision-making roles. How do these people get in these decisions? I think that's an even bigger one. How do these people get in these decision-making roles? Mm-hmm. Like how do you – you just can't say you want more minorities in these in these in these positions, how the hell do you get them in there? It's not like Hollywood has an actual farm system to farm people up in there. So, I mean, where are you finding these, these minorities? They don't don't do the apprenticeship system that they used to under the old, you know, studio system. Exactly. So So everybody's journey into the industry is very different. Very different. Um, It's hard to have a clear path from you know film school to making Mm -hmm. movies it's the only profession i feel that's like that you go to medical school to be a doctor you do your residency at a hospital and suddenly you're a doctor you go to film school and you're likely going to be like a barista for a while (laughs) before you're ever even exactly but before and raise the money to make a movie or or even if you are more interested in in uh, say you want to be a casting director or whatever sure again it's it's then hopefully you get to work with people who are willing to share that knowledge and give you opportunities to show yourself. I mean, it, it's it's very much like you're saying, you know, be it medicine or business or practically any other industry, there's usually sort of a path you can take and there are steps that you have to go through. But like you say, without any sort of apprenticeship, and I'm not talking about make people work for free internship bullshit, you know. No, I'm talking like apprenticeship. Exactly. You work under somebody. Exactly. Learn from them. You join the union, you know, whatever your respective union is after you put in a certain amount of hours, and then you go on and you, you're you so, doing it somewhere else. So I, I don't know where, where they're just going to find these magical minorities out of the sky and then plug them into these, into these positions. I, 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 I'm curious. And they're definitely to see. around doing like you know independent films and you absolutely. Know, you have guys like Ryan Coogler who came out of uh, you know the USC film program and was you know repped like he he signed with you know because that's the thing is like if you want to be a director these days you kind of have to have an agent as well to sort of put these things together mm-hmm. and he went to USC and did a couple short films and then he got representation. Um. I want to say maybe innovative, and then that's how he was able to put together Fruitvale, Fruitvale Station. right? And then Fruitvale is what you know had because he was trying to make Creed from before he ever even made Fruitvale. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But Stallone wasn't going to see him without any kind of anything under his belt as far as a feature film. Um, but I, I, I mean, I feel like that's a possible route. I've seen you know there's diversity programs everybody's scrambling to set up these diversity programs but the way that they're set up it's basically like an online contest where you submit an application and then you know whatever 
work and then they just sort of pick you it's it's very strange it's Mm -hmm. all very up in the air everybody's scrambling because they don't know what to do um it there is no groundwork there's no infrastructure in place um you know because it's it's just it's definitely a lack of representation from the top down um and then you get things like the nina simone movie that everybody's clamoring about. Oh, we'll get Have to that. Seen? We will get to that. Oh, <laughs> hold on to that. Save it. Have you watched the trailer? Yes, we <laughs> will get to that. I mean, so I think I think the basic gist is um I would love for everybody to just just have an opportunity. And by opportunity, I mean I'd love for everybody that no matter what wherever they want to get to um if you, you know, if you apply, you know, you send out your resume to wherever, obviously you're not going to get into everyone, but I just, I would just like for everyone to have an equal shot, an equal opportunity at some of these jobs. And then for certain people within the Hollywood structure to, to just kind of, um, take a chance and just be willing to, and especially also women, it's good to have the female perspective mm-hmm. and, you know, just, just let's let's look to. I know, I I get it. You always want to have the best qualified person, and I agree with that. You know, I I just hope that you can find you you'll see that there's a lot of great qualified, um, different color candidates out there. I mean, I I mean, forget just black people like. I have no idea how represented Hispanics are, or Asians. Very low. Or, or and then the representations are less than stellar. It, I mean, yeah. even Chris Rock, for all that, you know, he wasn't giving anybody a pass for the the his Oscar speech, um, his opening monologue. Right. But he still resorted to that lazy Asians are good at math joke. Right. Which was unfortunate. Kind of tainted the message a bit. But but see it 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 permeates everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. So I and, and yeah, I mean, uh, I I can't recall in any show or any even random indie thing I worked on. Not that I didn't work with any Asian people, but I'm trying to think in terms of like a producer. Yeah, the upper or, echelon, or, or, not just actors. Yeah, or or you know, or besides maybe a, a random grip or something like that. I'm I'm trying to mm-hmm. think. I'm like, not really. So, not really. There's a there's a lot of work. There's a lot of Lord knows we already know a lot of the reasons why behind it. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of work for them to do. So no, I didn't watch the Oscars. Didn't care. I was like, uh, and I to be honest, even if it was like 85 black people nominated, I probably still wouldn't have watched them because. Again, the whole arbitrariness of award shows just never interested me, period. Yeah. It, it just is like, eh, eh, eh. I'm like, who cares? It's it's all marketing ploy to get people butts in the seats and, and sell more tickets or buy more albums. So getting past that, we will jump. Let's we'll, we'll jump right into that whole Nina thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit I don't know a huge amount about Nina Simone, but I I just <laughs> do know that she was very she was very proud of her blackness. 
Well, it's more complicated than just that. But but what I'm saying is, well, the Nina Simone, her specifically as a person, was you know she was told that she was too black to right. even play classical music, and and that and, and so she's she... always you know ugly, and and her entire you know body of work, and you know her message and her poetry and her music was very much wrapped up in dealing with overcoming and accepting the way that she looked i think i think that's more what i meant in other words because of that pushback she was like no 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 i'm going to embrace this and i'm going to i'm going to show you now it was such a huge part of her identity yeah now of course i'm simplifying it and again i full disclosure I, i do not know the full details into nina simone but my whole thing is how 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 could you tell me you can't find a dark-skinned actress that's the just thing just e- i mean it, it's so you know, it's, because you can't tell me that all of a sudden people see the name of zoe saldana and they're like oh shit i have to see I this movie you know it's like her name isn't bringing hordes and crowds to the movie theater well, you know, it's it's a very complicated issue because on the one hand, you have um, Forrest Whitaker, who was darkened up considerably to play Idi Amin, um, but nobody really said anything about that. And He was? Because to be oh, very honest, yeah. I didn't even notice. He Most looked... people didn't because the makeup, one, the makeup job was de- was good. Two, his performance was hella strong. And And honestly, I thought Forrest Whitaker was that dark. Right? Because (laughs) from other movies, I'm like, I I mean, I was. He's more of a chocolatey brown, but they like blue blacked him up a little bit for Edie. I mean, maybe, but I always thought thought Forrest Whitaker was dark, period. From what I remember from like like, Ghost Dog. Like a milk chocolate. But Edie, I mean, is like blurple. But let's be honest. That was a hell of a performance. Yeah, he pulled it out. And then even when, and you know, Denzel Washington, they lightened him up a little bit for Malcolm X. But then again, he looks like Malcolm X, and that was a hell of a performance. He was Malcolm true. X. He looked a hell have, of a lot like Malcolm you know, X. Um, Tina Turner, you have Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett, who doesn't look anything like Tina Turner. They didn't try to do prosthetics on her. They didn't change right. her skin tone, right. but she was... Tina. Yeah. And so first you have this unacceptably awful makeup job mm. with a prosthetic nose and these giant fake teeth and like these Frederick Douglass high school play wigs. And then And you could visibly tell that she's and darkened. You could visibly tell yeah. all is terrible. Yeah. The makeup looks like silly putty. She looks like a melted crayon, you know. And then you have this actress who she's a decent actress at what she does, but what we have only seen her do thus far is play the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel just from even the trailer, what we see in the trailer, she does not have the gravitas to play Nina Simone. And it's clear in that trailer. And unfortunately too, in addition to, you know, the drastic makeup 
situation, they're also portraying Nina Simone in later years, in her second half of her career, in later years in her life. And so you have this woman who's 37 who looks, you know, 30, maybe 29, 28. Mm -hmm. So in addition to the, the drastic, you know, makeup job they're doing on her, she's also aged up considerably, which is ridiculous. And then I also heard from, or I read from the Simone family that the story this movie is telling is just this, not true. Yeah, the, this relation, supposed relationship never happened because the man was right. gay. They, they never got they into this romantic. It was a close relationship, but it wasn't a romantic right. relationship. Right. And for them to take it in that direction with just a blatant disregard for the family and her personal story is ridiculous. They didn't get permission to use any of her music, did they? No. Oh, wow. But Simone sang a lot of um, standards and right. m- music that's kind of in the public domain now. And so Zoe Saldana, she's singing. I think it's her because it doesn't sound very good. It sounds like her. Um, it doesn't. Nina Simone is a very specific voice, and she, unless you can really pull it out, she has a very masculine quality to her voice. Like she's almost a tenor, and for someone like that to to try to do a biopic without having her actual recordings, like it's really difficult to try to pull that out. It'd be like doing a Freddie Mercury movie and not being able to use any of Freddie's recordings because he's almost impossible to. Mm-hmm to duplicate Nina Simone is very, very unique in her vocals. So that's also problematic. Um, They definitely did not have the blessings of her estate or her family before proceeding with this movie. After those pictures dropped two years ago, I had hoped that movie was going to be shelled and we'd never hear from it again because it's unfortunate because you're like, you're kind of in a damned if you do and damned if you don't situation. If we don't go see this movie and support this movie, then, you know, white people, producers, and, and they're going to say, like, see, nobody wants to see a movie like this. That's going to tank. You know, we're not going to make any more of these stories. But then if you do go see it and it doesn't tank, then they're going to be like, see, it's fine. We can cast all of these, you know. But see, I don't think. Any way we want. Black people are black people. It's fine. They're interchangeable. I, I don't black. think they have that excuse because right from when those pictures dropped or just when it found out Zoe Saldana was playing her, there was immediate backlash. There was no question. People were like, The other thing about, you know, the whole issue is, you know, Nina Simone's side of it is very specific, but also Zoe Saldana's side of it is also very specific. Why people are upset is because up until hella recently, she denied that she even was black. And so now suddenly she's feeling all her blackness enough to play Nina Simone where up until like two years ago or three years ago, she never even, she would actively refute that she even was black. She was Dominican, not black. And so then, I mean, that feels like a slap in the face. Like now she's like, you know, people are saying that she's not black enough. She's a black woman, which she herself denied being a black woman until very recently. Like she didn't identify as black. Mm. She identified as Dominican Hispanic. She can be both, you know. I, I wonder exactly. if she knows that. She can be both. It is possible. It is a thing that exists. <laughs> However, until very recently, that wasn't part of her makeup. And so for her to suddenly, you know, and then even in when she got offered this movie, she knew she wasn't right for it. 
um, she said that she wasn't, she didn't feel like she was right for it. And so the producers are like, you know, she's a hundred percent committed to this role and just like pulled out the performance of a lifetime when I feel like she was ambivalent about it from the go, but it's such an important story and an important movie. And I'm surprised there hasn't been a Nina Simone movie well before this that there is a documentary you know, though. I think it's on documentary is good. Yeah. Well, th- th- this reminds me of that, uh, whatever this Michael Jackson movie where oh what's his God. name? <laughs> Ralph Fiennes. Uh, Ray Fine. Sorry, they're gonna have a white dude playing Michael Jackson. <laughs> now, even though this is at the point where you know, be- you know who should be who should do it. No, this is my my vote. Who? Um, Diana Ross's son. That's true. I that would, is true. That would have been perf. Perf. That's true. But it, it, it to me, it's, it's first of all, they're taking a story that was blatantly not true, but it's like a myth. Why in the hell do you have a... I mean, it, this, is, this, is not even, this is not even where you're just taking a fictitious character and just changing him because, A, he's a, this is a fictitious character and the race doesn't matter. This, is well, a, like, this was a know, real black person. Right, it's a real black person. Suddenly, you know, having, like, the only way you're black all of a sudden is if you have black skin. And that's ridiculous, where it's never been like that before. And it's not it's not really like that in the real world. You know, Michael Jackson himself was, uh, it was an interview he had with Oprah, like, 10 years ago. Do you remember that? When there was a huge rumor going about when they were making the Jacksons movie and they were saying that Michael wanted a white person to play him. And he was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm a black man. I'm a proud black man. And I would never want a white person to portray me in a movie. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. He said that to Oprah in an interview that there is documented video proof of. <laughs> I saw it. I watched it with my own eyes. Have you Have you ever seen the video, it's on YouTube, of when... Uh, the rapper Freddie Gibbs, when he talks about when Michael Jackson came back to Gary, Indiana. No. Oh, my. God. See, this is how you know how black Michael is. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like in this conversation, probably like right here. I'm just gonna do a cut and play it, and then like, I got. I'm, I'm gonna find it for you right now. Hold on. Hold on. saw that nigga Mike one time in my life in person. Didn't believe Michael Jackson was coming to Gary, but he came. You would have thought Jesus came back. And that was like a real uh, symbol of the hope just for that nigga coming back. He hadn't been back there for a while. Gary ain't got enough money for Mike to do to, to sing a note on the mic. Nigga went to uh, speak at this baseball stadium and shit. This big stupid ass baseball stadium we got in Gary. I don't know why the fuck we got that shit because niggas don't watch baseball anyway. This nigga Mike walked around Gary in his pajamas with like a Captain Crunch suit on. His shit was laid, perm was laid out, he was good. And you know shit, that nigga had to come get him something to eat and shit, man. Then that motherfucker Mike came through and went to KFC, dog. And Mike bought all the motherfucking hundred barbecue wings, man, all the goddamn original. He went through the drive-thru, nigga. All you saw the niggas in the limo, you saw the goddamn shiny gloves sticking out the uh, sunroof. He was waving that nigga and shit. Took like... A motherfucking hour to get his order out. And I swear this nigga was ordering extra crispy, 
motherfucking uh, original, all that shit. Man, niggas was honking the horn behind them and shit. They like, damn, Mike, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Come at the mic, ain't it? That nigga ran out of chicken. But that nigga bought all the chicken for the people, my nigga. When he pulled up to the baseball stadium, he started throwing the chicken out the car and shit. The niggas was like, what the fuck? And Mike, passing out chicken. Like, <laughs> all you see is the motherfucking goddamn <laughs> shiny glove throwing chicken out the window. Niggas running to the limo like, Mike, they try to get autographs and shit. Man, niggas was standing on top of cars. Billy Jean is not my lover. Niggas was going crazy. It was grown niggas out there fainting and shit like that. I'm going gangsta ass niggas out there. My God! This nigga's crying. I'm seeing killers crying and shit with tears in their eyes. Like, Mike! You know, everybody loved Mike, you know? Yeah, Mike loved Kentucky Fried Chicken. I know that shit for a motherfucking fact. Finger licking good, Mike. <laughs> That's the greatest story I've ever heard. That is the greatest. That's like one of those Charlie Murphy stories. Seriously. It does not get any blacker than that. So I'm, I'm gonna sorry. Put that, I'm going to put that up on the, <laughs> on the Facebook. On Has the to. Facebook page right Has now. To. I'm telling you, that is awesome. And it's funny how many stories kind of like that there are of Mike just being as black as ever. Well, the other thing that's weird, in addition to Ray Fiennes being white, is his age, because he's not, I mean, he's like 45, right? Like, right roundabouts, and this is yeah. set, but, you know, with Elizabeth Taylor and, um... This is after, this Harley is right after 9-11. Is it? Yeah, it's supposed to, this fictitious story, supposedly, right after 9-11, Mike, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Marlon Brando supposedly got in a car to drive out the city, except... I think none of them were there right. in the city. Yeah, this is just this, this is just like a fantasy. Fantasy. So some is this a British movie? This is a British movie, right? I think it's a British thing. Yeah. This is... So however old Mike was in nine eleven, and if Mike died when he was Mike died when he was in his fifties, I, I believe he was in his fifties. So he would have been in his forties. He said so he might have been. Yeah, it might have been right around his forties. All right. But, but... That, I, 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 look, this this Ray guy, he could have been twenty six. It wouldn't matter. He shouldn't right. be doing this. Well, it's also, you know, it's just a matter of, like, somehow white equals normal, equals neutral, equals default, and so they can play anybody. Like, that Angelina Jolie movie, um, oh, that's From right. the Heart, where yeah. she's playing Marianne Pearl. Yeah. An obviously ethnic person, and they'll, they, you know, they darkened her up a little bit and gave her a permed-up wig and, and mm-hmm. called it a day. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know... You're never going to see that go the other way around. Mm. Although, the one time I did see um, blackface used, and it just made me laugh uncontrollably. And not a movie. Uh, and maybe this is very off topic, but still. Do you ever watch uh, It's Always Sunny? Yeah. I think it was in season eight or nine. What, not, yeah, you know how in Always Sunny they've had this this thing about Lethal Weapon? And, uh-huh. they, and they keep doing this extra <laughs> Lethal Weapon movie because it's just necessary. So they, I think in season eight or nine, they did they did Lethal Weapon Part 6. They actually did the whole thing. And what's his name? Mac is Murtaugh. <laughs> and it is just the most. And halfway through, they just stopped painting. They just left him white. 
So they just, then they just <laughs> let Murtaugh White. It is. I'm going to wait. I, I have to link that to you as well. Uh, All right. We have to post that because that's the one time I said, this is insanely funny. So. And, you know, it's not like they haven't perfected the art of blackface. When you look at Tropic Thunder with Robert Downey Jr., yep. he looked normal. He looked like a black dude. I'm not even going to, like, stress. Like, he looked like a straight-up black guy. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty impressive. So they can't take this already darker-complected woman and make her look like an actual, like, a black... Like, they couldn't find the same makeup they used on Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder? They just, like, went and emptied out the Queen Latifah collection at Target. Thank you. It's a little ridiculous. If it, if the if the makeup wasn't so overwhelmingly horrible, it might not be as bad. If her performance was stronger, it might not be as bad. But those two things combined is why this is an atrocity. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. I'm going to um Hold on. I'm going to send you this one. Obviously, you'd have to watch on Netflix, but they do have this one little scene here on uh on YouTube of of Lethal Weapon 6. You should I I know you'll laugh your I think you'll find it insanely funny. I I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. I have to get get back into Sonny. I I know I I kind of fade in and out, but every time I go back in and start watching an episode or two, I'm like, God damn, this show's hilarious. You forget how funny it is, like, and just and how awful these people are. But it's so good. So yeah, everybody, go check out the Facebook. Uh, we'll put the link to just a snippet of it and get back into the show on Netflix. It's pretty damn funny. So we got our first, um, our first comment. <laughs> oh snap! Where? On Facebook. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this is a, a milestone. <laughs> listen, here. listen, because I keep saying, look, you know, I get stopped every day on the street, and people are like, "Love your show, love it, great, great, great." I'm like, "Well, awesome," but you got to comment. I think people are just scared for some reason. Who knows? But cool. So what does the comment say? Well, this is when we uh, we talked a little bit um, about Oscar, the, the, the outrage over Oscar beforehand. Mm-hmm. And we also discussed Beyonce's Super Bowl show and how that was too black or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we got a comment from Tawan John. Tawan John. That... Taiwan John. Taiwan. Might be his name. Mm. Hollywood too white. Fact speaks louder than racists and bigots. The crisis is far, far worse than people realize. Monday, February 22nd, 2016, Hollywood diversity examined in USC Annenberg card study. This is no mere diversity problem. This is an inclusion crisis. Stacey Smith, founding director of the MDSC initiative and author of the study, says over half of the content we examined featured no Asian or Asian American characters and over 20% featured no African American characters it's clear that the ecosystem of the entertainment industry is exclusionary the card study also posted an in 
inclusion index that graded 10 media companies based on their representation of women and people of color, both in front and behind the camera, and none of the six film distributors studied received a passing grade on the index. So, Damn, Taiwan posted all that? And informed. Well, uh, let's make sure we tell Taiwan thank you. I did. Oh, yes. I responded to him immediately. Him or her. Him or her. That's true. That's and and we we gave him a shout out. Absolutely. So that again, don't be don't be scared, people. Put a comment there. Say what you got to say. You know, give us a call. Give, give us a shout. Or give us a call. Give us a shout. You were on Twitter. You know, leave do all, all that. But going back to this comment, absolutely. Oh, I mean, it's spot on. It's it's basically everything we. Hopefully something good. That was weird. I know. I heard a ringing, so. That was you. You went away, and then you came back. Really? Mm-hmm. Where did I go? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am back. <laughs> so I don't know where I went, but I'm here still. So, yeah. Um, they, they need to get that shit in check. Uh, I, I will just say, uh, moving on, just in terms of... Not just movies and media, but besides, you know, not watching the Oscars, uh, what I have enjoyed uh, thus far is A, uh, House of Cards is back. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about Frank Underwood and doing whatever it takes to keep the presidency. My man. That's what I like to see. Um, I did thoroughly enjoy uh, Deadpool. Oh yeah, I can't lie. So. I watched it and I said, "This was fun." Now, I, I I said right after it, I said, "I bet you, and I bet you, these mothers are going to scramble mm-hmm. to make everything rated R now." And I then, know. and then, sure enough, you saw the articles about now how Hollywood is now looking like now they're looking at maybe making you know. Superman versus Batman are rated R. Well, they but, no, they're not going to make it rated R. Or they're they going to have a cut. A rated R cut. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, it's Deadpool is not about making superhero movies rated R. It, it, it's it's about know your content. Right. It's a rated R character. Exactly. Just know your content. Have the right actors in there, and tell a good story, and the proper rating will follow. Okay, here's the thing, too, is I feel like over the last 10 years or so, there has definitely been a PG-13ification of all Hollywood movies. These movies that are trying to appeal to everyone, and it's kind of like Because they're only doing it for the money, obviously. Right, they're only doing it for the money. So you have movies like The Expendables as a PG-13 movie, when clearly that should have been a rated R movie. I remember when we were kids, like... Over half the movies were rated R. Like that was especially action movies. Action movies action were movies. rated R because you were getting look. Eighties were like were hardcore. You're getting action. Yeah. And so for you know over the past few years with the success of you know like the Hunger Games and all of these you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and the X Men movies and you know Be- uh, Spider Man even Batman didn't necessarily need to be PG thirteen but they wanted to be inclusionary for a larger audience to make money and it has films have suffered because of it 
this uh, definitely pussification of the box office. Thank you. That's what it is. Pussification of the box office. And they're, and again, they're not doing it for the purpose of story. They're doing it just to make some money. So now they're talking about... Uh, this was already being talked about for Deadpool. Um, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kind of losing you. We're kind of losing you. <laughs> Okay, we got your back. You're good. You're golden. All right. You were going on about the the rated R uh, movies about you know within the superheroes they don't all need to be. They don't all need to be rated R, and how you know. Did you just play a piano? No, somebody just sent me a message. I think I <laughs> turn that off. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, I made a tweet today. I said you know. Daryl Hammond and uh, Norm Macdonald and Jim Gaffigan and uh, Randy Quaid all play Colonel Sanders. I think Tracy Morgan should get a turn now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard a rumor it's going to be David Allen Greer, actually. That would be amazing. I'd be all right with that, too. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, okay, but but back to R and Marvel. But um, back to Marvel and Marvel. Um you know, everyone's saying, like, should these superhero movies go rated R? And um, I'm going to have to, I'm trying to turn this off, these, uh, <laughs> these notifications. Let me just turn Facebook off right quick. You were popular. Um, no, that tweet was hella popular. Everybody seems to resonate with the fact that Tracy Morgan should be the new Colonel Sanders for like a hot second. Since <laughs> they're cycling through the, all these old comedians. Um, but, um, what I was saying is the the, the next uh, and final, possibly final Wolverine movie, Old Man, is um, 
going to possibly follow the old man Logan storyline from the comics. Um, and that was in talks of going rated R before mm -hmm. Deadpool came out and was as popular as it is. And so, you know, for movies like that, that probably should be rated R as far as content, um, they have a little more, um, I don't know, confidence that a movie like that can do well, as opposed to relying on getting their, their market share from the younger crowd going to see the movie like four and five times. They realize the older crowd will do the same thing and they don't need to have these four quadrant movies because that's practically impossible, you know, unless you are, you know, a Captain America or a Thor to have these movies that are going to appeal to, you know, the widest audience possible mm -hmm. without watering down the storyline for some of these movies that should be rated R. But then that's to say, you know, they shouldn't just make something rated R arbitrarily because that right. seems to be the hip, cool thing that right. like that shouldn't be their takeaway, which usually that's what happens in Hollywood when some, exactly. some sort of formula works, they always take away the wrong lesson and try to, to figure out what the formula is. And for some reason they're never able to understand that Deadpool worked because it was true to a source material. It knew its audience and it was heavily content based rather than, Oh, it's rated R. Like it, it that's not the only takeaway that you can get from that. You know? Mm -hmm. No, you're right. I agree a hundred percent with everything you're saying. We'll see. Um, I do think because I mean, they're talking about making a you know a rated R cut of Batman versus Superman. Exactly, I think that's ridiculous. Like that's just rated R for the sake of being, being rated, rated R. Exactly, it's not really necessary to really that storyline or those characters. Like it's just they didn't film a rated R movie. They oh didn't. no, oh no. And so oh, no. to then suddenly say you're going to have a rated R cut is kind of arbitrary and ridiculous. It it, it what it does is it makes them look like they're just willing to whore it out however they can for more cash right like they're doing that fifth indiana jones movie are you telling uh, them it's rated r2 like uh, are we gonna just go full full prostitute on that <laughs> the very fact they're doing another one with ha i love yeah, he's on board i love indiana jones i love harrison ford what and is he 80 he's gonna be like in a, in a wheelchair uh, I don't know if Queef Labeef's going to be in it again, if he's going to be like the son or or if they're – I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, honestly. I think, honestly, they're going to have to do – I mean, they could have done a reboot and just made Indiana Jones young. And but see, that's what the fourth one – either probably – either you're going to give Harrison Ford his last hurrah in the fourth, but with a, actually a story that was made sense and was good, or you were going to – like you say, you were going to have him just pass the torch to to some young person or somehow. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying, like Indiana Jones Jr. But what I'm saying is do an Indiana Jones like Mad Max where it just falls in between some of those other adventures with a different actor. Mm. Like this last Mad Max with Tom Hardy. Like just maybe, do. Uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe. Not necessarily even a reboot, just sort of. I don't of, know. People, people. Hollywood is 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 slowly but surely starting to really and some of the iconic movies and characters they they're really not uh, I think it's almost sacrilegious to say this but I I think it could almost blame Sylvester Stallone. Oh yeah, it's totally Stallone. And it, I'm only saying is and it's not for Rocky's 1 through 5. 
because that no, was it's for Balboa. That, no, Rocky exactly. Balboa, it was, and then that Rambo, that last Rambo. Rambo, and then Creed. He did three great movies on these iconic characters, and then all the studios like, well, damn, look at what Stallone just did. He he made these these guys, these characters relevant again, and and is making money. But again, like you just said, Hollywood takes the wrong things, pulls the wrong ideas out of these things. What they didn't understand was with Rocky Balboa and Creed, there was actually a decent, good story, especially in Creed. Right. Good yeah. acting, good right. directing. I mean, it, it was a good movie. It was a really good movie. It was a solid show. And then Stallone is smart enough to know he wanted to retire these characters. And yes. so these were sort of wrap-up movies for yes. him. Um, and he is smart enough to to know to know that and want to do that. Hollywood is seeing them like Mad Max. This is a revamp to restarting this franchise, um, which I'm not mad at Mad Max, but, you know, these – these other characters, like, are they going to get, you know, Arnold doing another Terminator? Like, how many more of these movies are we going to get? I mean, I honestly, I mean, they could freaking <laughs> do it forever. Just, uh, you know. Or, or what they're going to do with John McClane and Die Hard. They're going to yeah, do a, Die Hard, a prequel. Another Escape. I, actually, I wouldn't mind seeing another Escape. No, what it is, it's supposed to be a prequels to how John McClane became John McClane, but I'm like... He was just a regular guy. But he, was, he didn't exactly, he that's, was just a regular guy. Th- this He's is, always been a regular guy. This is the thing. Up to Die Hard, that wasn't his shtick. Right. He In other words... With right. a bad marriage right. and living his life. Right. Now, Die Hard 1, 2, and 3 sort of took that, you know, uh, wrong place, wrong time thing, right? and they made it work great. And it's sort of the thing I think could probably work for three movies and it's okay. The prequel part, uh, I'm like, wait, was he a wrong... Was he going to have him be in the wrong place in the wrong time in like kindergarten and stuff? <laughs> was he just like... You, you remember you know? when that dude put out that full page article with a diehard idea because he, he was trying to get representation for writing and it was an insanely good idea and he actually got representation but it's he's going to turn out to be doing a whole different kind of movie do you do you remember that i don't remember that if his how I, long ago was this oh i think it was last year if if you just look up you know if you google like the full page uh die hard uh ad okay. and he had a brilliant idea for using bruce willis as john mcclain in a great story that made perfect sense with what John McClane is. He's a cop. I, it was... and But of course, Hollywood didn't see that and take and be like, hey, this guy's got a great... No, no, no. They just totally ignored it and said, we're going to do this prequel weird nonsense with somebody else that... Uh, I, I'm not even going. You know what? I'm not going into this. It's going to make me angry. Because those last two Die Hard movies were absolute jack shit, and those made me angry as I sat there through them. So I'm, I'm not going into this anymore. I'm not. No. No. What I'm going to go into now is, I hear you've had an interesting day. Um. Oh yes, there's an event here that that we work. Um, it's called the po- the Possible, and it's amazing. Um, it's the Italian American Marching Club, Italian American Marching Club here in 
New Orleans. And, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, clubs here and social clubs that they do. You know, the parades here that we have for Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. They're run by these social clubs, which you pay your dues as members to join. And, you know, then they they have floats and stuff like there's going to be a parade tomorrow um and they have floats they have it pays for you know the things they throw and then they also do like community outreach and stuff like that so there's an italian american social club um marching club and they have this thing called the pasta bowl and it's the company that i do freelance art for um is called studio three in mid-city here in new orleans and um They, we have this giant bowl that we make and, um, it is, it's a giant bowl. It's like five feet across and about four feet tall. Maybe not that tall. It's like three feet tall. Mm -hmm. And they fill it with this pasta. It's, um, pasta con sarde and it's, um, it's a meatless pasta. It's, it's made with sardines though. Um, but it's, it's meatless because it's Friday and it's still Lent. Um, right, right. And so it's the world's biggest polo pasta. It was 400 pounds of pasta. They use this bucatini. It's like spaghetti with a hole in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then they have this sauce. And it's a whole event. Like, it starts out with, you know, they have this little band and they're playing this, like, pasta song. And then <laughs> they have the the chef and all these, like, Italian-American, you know, celebrities are there. There's, a, the, you know, a couple of them, will, the, the, whoever they can get can come fly into town. This year it was um, Joe Piscopo and um, <laughs> Chaz Palminteri were, were the, the Italian celebrities that we had. Joe Piscopo. And so then, then they're like, the chef is standing around and all the news cameras are standing around this giant bowl and the giant bowl is empty right now. And so then they're like, bring on the pasta! And then you have the waiters come and they're like carrying these big trays of pasta and they're like, one at a time, it's like 12 of them and they, they, got, they bring to the chef and the chef like dumps it in the bowl and he's like more pasta and then they bring the next bowl and they dump it in the bowl and then they have the sauce and it's like a brown sauce and it's not tomato based so they call it gravy Mm -hmm. so then they're like bring on the gravy and then the the guys come with these giant bowls and they're like they're carrying (laughs) these bowls of gravy and then the chef just like dumps the gravy on the sauce on the pasta and like one of the camera guys he just got a face full of sauce god bless him <laughs> it just went all he was too close he was too close i don't know what to tell you, you can't, so then you can't after get too they close. dump all the gravy and then the song is playing and it's like um i gotta see if i can find like this this song it's so funny mm-hmm. um there's a here comes the parade of pasta that's going into the world's biggest bowl of pasta <laughs> this guy's got a how how much does that feel like um, it's, it feels too, 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 too big. Too big. And it feels like only one guy could have this recipe. He's here. Here we go. We're in the parade right now. That would be... Let's see if I can here. find the music. He's like this news guy. The guy who has the recipe comes all the way... Yeah, okay, so that's the song. It's like, oh, mama, da 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my, my da, 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 da. and so then they're like they're like more sauce more sauce and so then they throw all the sauce in there and then the guy has like this giant bowl of um pine nuts and he's like flinging the pine nuts and he's just like throwing them the pine nuts and they're getting all over the floor and it was just like pine nuts and then they throw on uh 
white raisins and then like breadcrumbs and it's just like they're just throwing that shit everywhere (laughs) (laughs) so then after so then everybody gets into a line and then the chefs are just like tipping it in like these huge portions on these like plates and just handing everybody pasta just like handing them all this pasta it's like 400 pounds of pasta in this bowl so then, you know, and then we have these walking heads um, figures. They're like these figures that we make where, you know, they have giant heads and it's mm-hmm. like a normal person body. We have um, a chef who goes out with the possible and then we have like an Italian guy. And so our Italian guy that we sent this year was um, so was Rocky. Was <laughs> That's who we sent this year. <laughs> we have Sylvester Stallone, but it's as Rocky. Like, as he's Rocky, got a right. black eye and he wears like the robe and he's got like boxing gloves and everybody takes a picture like pretending to punch Rocky in the face. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it's a hoot and a half, man. And the pasta is delicious. I've never had it before. It's this um, pasta con sarde. Like I said, it's a sardine-based Oh, I'm sure it's good. Um, yeah, it's delicious. Like, holy cow. It's really, it's for, um, St. Joseph's Day, um, festival, which is tomorrow. And there's an Italian American parade tomorrow. It's interesting because, like, the Italian and the Irish stuff is right around the same time here in the city because, um, St. Patrick's Day was just St. Patrick's Day. Exactly. They have their parade too. And their parade is a trip because the Italian parade, you know, New Orleans is all about throwing stuff off of, at you for yeah. parade. Yeah. And so for the Italian parade, you bring like a sack, basically, like a pillowcase or like a sack or something, because they're throwing cabbages and potatoes and carrots and onions. <laughs> like they're just throwing that shit at you, like like full on whole raw vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're supposed to like catch it and put it in your sack and then take it home and use it in your crawfish boils or make soup or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's like really good produce. Like, like whole heads of cat. Like somebody on a float is throwing a head of cat. Catch yeah, you. <laughs> it's not every raw potatoes. It's not every <laughs> day you get cabbage flung at you. Yeah, you're getting a head of cabbage flung at you. Last year I got like a head of cabbage. I got three or four potatoes, like two or three giant carrots, and an onion, and I made uh, some cabbage soup, and it was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? This year, well, actually, you had some of the pasta, so there you go. Oh, man, I get, last year, I should have, I'm kind of on a diet right now, because there's a lot of pasta that was left over, and I took a lot of it home last year, and I bagged it up in individual servings Hell that yeah. I could eat at my leisure. I had it in the freezer, and um, I literally just finished my last baggie of pasta like a month ago. God damn, that's a lot of pasta. It's a it's a lot. I had like like thirteen or fourteen, you know, single <laughs> servings of that pasta in my freezer, and you know, I would have one like once a month or something. I'd get in the mood for it, but this year I didn't take any home because I'm like I can't be eating just like I can't just have pasta on deck, you know. <laughs> like, Nothing wrong with pasta on deck, girl. Just ready to go. <laughs> just ready to go. <laughs> You New in that Orleans pasta is mood. A number on my on my waistline. <laughs> let me tell you. So what's uh what, what's what's the um agent news I hear? Well, okay, so you know, I've been through a couple of agents here, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I had we had that agent drama. I think mm-hmm. we talked about it last year. Oh yeah. Um, and I we got this new agent. I got this new agent and. He was great, and, you know, he had an office, and he was a nice guy and everything. He was really easy to deal with. 
but you know, I wasn't going out. I had him, you know, I was with him for close to 15 months and I had maybe eight auditions and they were for things that were, you know, I wasn't even really necessarily right for. And it was like, you know, a PSA that was just a book, a look thing. It was an audition. There was no dialogue. It was just, they wanted to come you come in and see what and you see look. what you look like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was a short film, which I actually did book and I worked and it was, you know, that was actually a really nice experience. And then, you know, it was a couple of, um, just a, a couple of things here and there, but you know, underground came through here. Roots came through here, you know, Queen Sugar, um, the Magnificent Seven remake, like all of these antebellum movies that need people who, you know, had natural hair, natural nails, no piercings, no tattoos, you know, things that I should have at least been seen for. And I just wasn't. And so, you know, I had a friend who was here and he worked on the Magnificent Seven for a while. And, you know, he had just moved here and he was just like working, like booking like crazy. And so then we got in touch with him and we were like, who's your agent? And, you know, his agent only has about a hundred clients and it's him and his wife and they work together. So between the two of them, they have maybe 50 clients mm. um, a piece. And so, you know, my agent that I had has 500 clients and it's just him. Oh and God. I, you know, as no. an actor, yeah. you have to do what you have to do for your career. And, you know, as nice as somebody is and as much as you might like them, if you're not – and, you know, I would we would we I would stop by his office on a semi-regular basis and, you know, just to chat with him, see how things were going, what I could do, if there were any classes I could take, any workshops I could do, any, you know, if I need to get new headshots, what are my headshots doing, what are they not doing, like which ones are working. And he would always say, you know – be patient, be patient. Things are fine. You know, things are coming into town. Just, you know, hang tight. And it's like, you know, I am not getting any younger. I can't hang tight forever. And so I got this new agent, you know, I, and I, I sent him a letter, you know, a letter cause you have to do it in writing. And I told him, you know, this isn't working out. Perhaps I need to get a smaller agent who can help me to refine my brand. I didn't tell him any, I, I you know, I was perfectly, mm-hmm. And, you know, he just wasn't who I thought he was. He sent back, you know, really not nice an email, you know, that, you know, I need to look into the mirror and fix the problem. You know, maybe a new agent isn't going to fix it. And, you know, for whatever my issues were, it's like I was nothing but nice and professional. And it was unfortunate that it had to end that way. Um, it happens. I, I, I didn't feel like. It, it was a waste of both of our times. Like I'm on his roster and I'm not getting any work. It's not helping him. And it's not helping me. So I didn't understand why he was so potentially put out by it. But, um, y- you know, and then I found out much, much later after I, you know, I, I already moved on that I spoke to one of his former assistants and he was just submitting everybody for everything. Like too many people, because he's just playing the numbers. It's, you know, that's a business right. for him, but it was, you know, if you're submitting 50 people for one role, a casting director is not going to open that email. Yeah. You know, that's that's a little ridiculous. I'm getting put in with people who have no experience. And so how, what's going to separate me from the same people in the same agency? If you've got, you know, 10 other girls maybe who look like me. And then if the ethnicity is open, you're submitting all the white girls and all the black girls and everyone who's like 20 to 40. You know, help, you know, God help me if the gender's open as well. You know, yeah. I was like, how am I going to compete with other actors if I'm competing with other actors in my same agency? 
um, it looks like when I was looking through, you know, the agent that I'm with right now, I was looking through the roster. I don't even think they have anybody anywhere near my category. Um, I've been with them for a week and I've already had eight auditions in a week. Yes. Damn. I got six in like, like two days. And then I just got, you know, another one this morning for you know to tape and and they're not small like i had one it was a co-star role on on an oprah show in, in atlanta and then you know i had one for a movie and mm-hmm. you know um another one was like it was three roles in the same show they were doing some kind of a, a diversity pass but it was like a tv show a pilot shooting you know it was just but a real one like a network one right um and so it's just like you know you could say what you want but obviously my headshots were working they just weren't opening his emails yep because they they probably knew already like don't even bother he's sending 85 people right and they're not gonna you know he's not he doesn't have time to pitch anybody because you know he's got 500 clients like how is he gonna pitch any one specific person for any one role how are you gonna remember 500 people's names and looks and you know if a role crosses your desk you look oh this person's perfect for that out of your 500 person roster i i can't remember you know i have a hundred (laughs) friends yeah that's that that's crazy but that's good though now, you know, we were, cause Mark and I had been making, you know, kind of making plans to head back to LA very soon, but, you know, hopefully we can, you know, start booking some things here in the near future. And that would be fantastic. But I mean, just for, you know, advice for any actors, you know, you have to do what's right for you and you can't worry about hurting people's feelings because at the end of the day, it's a business. And most agencies, you know, they'll send you a letter. If you're not working for them, they'll send you a letter and let you know, Hey, we're dropping you. Sorry. Like it's not, it's a business relationship and it's only really become super personal. I feel like when you start having success and you start putting together your whole team, like you have your agent and your manager and your publicist and stuff, and you're having this higher level of success where they're focusing more actual personal attention on you. When you're just a cog in their machine, you know, you really have to be focused on doing what's best for your career to grow your career. And you have to make these hard decisions and not worry about like, I've spent a long time worrying about hurting people's feelings. And I feel like my career suffered because of it. And, you know, I never know, I'll never know what of those, you know, slavery period movies that came through here. Right. Like what would have became of that if I had an agent who had the power to pitch me or, you know, just had you know a better chance of getting me in those rooms like i don't know and i can't really focus on that now but it is a thing to consider when you're an actor starting out that you have to find the right fit for you you can't be with somebody who's too small and you i mean too big i mean there is a such thing of having an agent that's too big for you too um do you remember jay that we were talking about um jay she, I don't know if you ever met her. It was a girl that we knew, and she was, you know, very striking girl. She's from Canada, and she just happened to – she was, like, really skilled in, like, weapons training and stuff. And um, she worked on the A-team in Canada as, like, a weapons trainer. Mm. And then, you know, with the guys up there, and then they – 
ran into her later working in a restaurant as their as their bartender or their waitress and um Leah Neeson was like um uh wanted her to you know he helped her get with his agent um here in in Los Angeles and um because she was really good and she's beautiful and she's tall and she's like just striking. She's kind mm-hmm. of a Native American looking girl or she is Native American. And she just um, got lost, though, because it was an agency that was too big for oh, someone yeah. just starting out. And oh, so yeah. You become kind of just a, a number, you know, in, in their machine. And so you could say, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to jump out of school and I'm going to go sign with innovative. I'm going to go sign with, you know, with William Morris or whatever. And that might work for you, but it also might not work for you. And you have to be able to be okay with that, not working for you and be willing to take the initiative to find something that is. Yeah. But, but again, it's, it's, you always have to stay on top of whatever you're getting or not getting, you know, definitely like you were doing, Stay in contact with your agent, and um, hopefully, if you're with and by a good agency, it's like, look, they'll know if they if they're not using you, they won't waste your time, and they'll just let you know, like, hey, we we just we just can't find, or we can't help you the way that you need, so we're gonna let you go, so you can you know go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, I got one of those letters. And I was like, damn. But then I understood. I was like, well, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten one of those letters, too, which is why, you know, the letter that I sent to release my my agent was very cordial. And, you know, I didn't call him. I didn't give him a phone call because my last agent that I released, I felt like, you know, I deserve she deserved to hear it from me before she got the letter. And she spent 20 minutes yelling at me. So then it was like, (laughs) I'm not doing that again. Yelling at you. (laughs) Yeah, she was hot, man. She was mad about it. Um, oh Lord. But she was like, she was getting me seen more than this second agent, but she was not, she just wasn't nice. And so it was, it was difficult. Like you also have to have a, a good solid working relationship. You have to have, this person is, you know, your business partner in a sense. And mm-hmm. you have to have somebody who you can trust implicitly with your brand. And so, you know, I just had a hard time with her. Um, on that level. And so it was a relationship that wasn't working out for me. And so she was mad though. She, and I was super nice to her and she just, you know, that's amazing. She yelled at me for like 20 minutes. And so I was like, I'm not doing that again. So then I just sent the letter and this guy, you stayed on the phone that whole time. Yeah. I let her get it out. You didn't hang up. Nah, man. Cause I didn't want her to call me back. I just let her get it out. Oh girl. You were way better than me. I'd have been like, hold up, hold up. Who are you? And then if she continues. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, like, mm. I rebutted her. It was like, it was a conversation. It was just a little bit heated. I, I, I don't even need a heated conversation. I'm like, look, there's nothing to converse about. Right. I'm just telling you, I'm out. Thank you. You could just say, you're welcome, and we can move on. But if you're going to start yelling, you're about to hear this dial tone. <laughs> I wish they still had phones that you could hang up. You like, want you want it, that slam click over. <laughs> that needs to be an app. That's an app that I've been talking about for a while. 
Yeah, you want somebody to hear that slam as you yeah, hang up yeah. on them? Like it's an app, like the kind where you shake your phone and it like sounds like dice or whatever. You do that, like turn your phone over and slam it down motion, and it just goes <laughs> click. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Hey, listen, you've just put it out there. So what you need to do? Someone's gonna make a million dollars is, off it. Of is trademark that idea right now? Trademarked. <laughs> okay. It's called ClickUp. There's <laughs> <laughs> something because when one of these tens of listeners all of a sudden makes it, you get the royalties from it. Yep. I'm send telling me you. a check. Send. <laughs> exactly. Send her a check. Shoot. I'm gonna put the. Um... The possible, uh, it was on the news today. The, that guy is quick. That news guy, the the guy who mm-hmm. does like these local stories, he's a, a hoot and a half. But mm-hmm. um, put that he, up. Uh, it's already up. All that Boom! Like to see. Uh, one last thing, uh, and I'll make this real, real quick because so, I don't know. There really wasn't much to it. I just went and saw um, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh yeah, what'd you think? Did you see it? No, because okay. Mark doesn't like movies like that. I gotta go see it by myself. He doesn't like movies like that. He doesn't like um, jump scares, and I told him it didn't look like it maybe had like it wasn't I, that I, kind well, of scary. I like, will more... I will say there are some, but it's okay. Blah, blah, blah. Rewind. We okay. all remember Cloverfield. Yes, found footage movie. Thank God this is not handheld like that or, or nothing, so I can actually see what the hell's going on a one right, without getting motion sickness exactly number two and i guess i sat there and i guess i went with this preconceived notion of like okay how is this in some way shape or form sort of maybe if it doesn't tie into cloverfield how is it even indirectly related I and mean, i'm sort of sitting there just wondering wow. how but okay. but okay okay and it, it wasn't until the very end that I was like, okay, okay, I guess I sort of see how this fits into a bigger worldview picture. But then it also left me wondering, like, all right, well, what happens next? Because they leave a hell of a lot more questions than they answer. I mean, a ton. I don't think they're going to answer any. And uh, here's what I Oh, they, listen, there are no questions. An- I mean, you, there really are no questions answered. It, right. It, well, at least, what I'm hearing uh, is that the Cloverfield movies are, they're trying to launch a new kind of anthology Twilight Zone, but movies. And so they're loosely connected or not connected at all. Um, and they might answer, they're, they're not going to be related. Like they're just... They're very and, loosely related as far and as... Then, and then, but see, tone. but then here's the thing, though. So then I'm watching, I'm like, okay, well then, then my question is, is this supposed to be just a standalone? Be- yeah. Because, because then if so, the questions that it leaves, I'm like, well, damn, that's a shame because then this could be a springboard to something even cool i mean i i won't I, i'm oh, not gonna say though, if it be- leaves it it leaves it so open that you wish for a sequel that you're never gonna get exactly because i'm like again when you watch and to me the movie is almost like in two halves it mm-hmm. really it is like say for i forget how long this movie is like an hour and a half so maybe for the first hour and, and 10 minutes 
it is one type of movie, and I'm like, okay. I mean, if this was just the movie itself, it would be a pretty awesome kind of movie because John Goodman, he's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard he's super good in it. He's really good. So there's that movie, and then there's the other part movie, which is the end, like the last say 20 minutes, right? Which almost turns it into not a totally different, but it brings up this whole new avenue, and then you're like, whoa, what? You're like, wait, wait a second. How how did that happen? How wait, what what's the bigger picture here? What 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 has happened? And that's it's, the it's the Shyamalan, but the twist. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not even so much a twist. You're just like, you, you, now you're like, okay, I need to know what the whole story is, but you're not going to get it. And then I sat there and I thought, well, okay, maybe that's maybe that's related to Cloverfield. It seems very different and. It left a whole, again, a whole lot more questions mm-hmm. than answers. And and it's weird because then I'm sitting there and, I'm, and I kind of left very unfulfilled. I was like, I didn't, I don't know what I, I left unfulfilled because it felt like I watched, I felt like I all of a sudden sat down in the middle of an episode of a TV show and then I watched the middle and then got up and left. And so I have so many questions about the before and the after that. I'm just like, I don't even know. I mean, if I was to give it a rating, like 1 to 10, um, somewhere between a 7 and an 8, only because I don't, I'm, um, it, again, I, I walked out, I was like, I don't know exactly what I saw. I don't know. It just, it felt incomplete. Mm-hmm. It fe- it felt really incomplete to me, and I th- and it's different than and some people might be like, well, you know, there's plenty of movies that they don't answer their questions and they leave open ended, you know, endings. I'm like, no, 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 no. But it still feels like I saw a complete story. It mm-hmm. might have just not answered everything I wanted, or it might have left the ending for my interpretation. But I still feel like I saw a complete story. Here feels like I was dropped into a story and I got pulled out of the end. And I'm like, what happened and what's about to go? I mean, I'm just like, I have way too many questions here. I, it's, is it a, is it, um, is it something I think people should probably see? Sure. I think it might frustrate people or at least. Mm-hmm. Depending on what you go to the movies for, I mean, I think for this one, this was this went beyond just for to turn my brain off and watch, mainly because of the Cloverfield name. So I'm sort of there was that interest there, but man, it I was like, what just happened here? So I think you'd enjoy it watching. I don't know if it would leave you. It, it may be. I don't know. I'd be interested. I haven't run into anybody yet who's seen it, so I'm, I'm I really am curious to maybe you know our tens of listeners will if they've seen it can simply uh, you know tweet us or message us just Facebook or, or leave now, us. I'm gonna write that on Facebook. You seen Cloverfield? What you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously, because I'm I'm curious. It's uh yeah, but I you know what. I already knew though. I 
I, I should say that it was a definite on my list to see. I kind of was like, well, listen, Batman, Superman's coming up, and then Avengers, and, yeah. and then, then, then the summer's going to kick in. So what pre-summer movie besides, am I really willing to spend any money? There really wasn't much, but that one, I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. It's, and it was a weird, strange disappointment. And it's, again, it's it felt so incomplete, and I, I'm I just left like I don't know what. I mean, I know what I saw, but I don't know in a bigger picture what is it I really saw. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, I mean, I what is this? Seriously, I'm, I'm just like, what is this? What, what, it almost felt like J.J. Abrams got bored and was like, you know what, I'm going to film something. I'm out here. Let's film something. Hmm. Seriously, it, I mean, it's not terrible, but it feels like two two things mashed together, and but but when they're but even together, it still feels like I'm I'm missing the beginning and I'm missing the end. I, I, I I don't know. You, you'll have to see and you'll have to tell me. Maybe I'm just going crazy. All right. Could be. 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 All but, right. I saved it. You did? All right. A photo from the movie and then I'm going to ask a question. Do that. Do that. But hey, again, for our tens of listeners, reminder, get in contact with us. We We had our first comment. We, we did. We gave that guy the shout out, but listen, we want to hear some Hello. more. Exactly. Now we've got some followers on our Twitter page, and that is awesome. We're getting some followers. I, I want some more people to to respond. But we, we I mean, we're really big in Turkey. <laughs> still big in Turkey, but we've got followers on our Twitter TCAT Podcast. Uh, uh, we've now got a comment on our Facebook. You know, Facebook dot com slash TCAT Podcast. Follow us there. Obviously. Keep listening and downloading and streaming off of iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn and HipCast, where you can find uh, a TCAT Podcast there. Uh, also, again, you can still uh, give us a call and leave a voicemail at that phone number I still don't know. 504-345-9344. Bam! That number. And uh, you can always leave us an email at TCATPodcast at gmail.com. With any questions, concerns, suggestions, you know, whatever, whatever rigmarole is going through your head that you just need to get out there, we will mention it and bring it to you because that's what we do. It's reality radio, people, <laughs> and more pasta. Obviously, <laughs> we are all for pasta. So, uh, let's see. I think that's it. Did I forget anything? No, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. So, uh, hey, everybody, uh, have a good one. Now, next time we come back, we will have seen Batman vs. Superman. Ooh, I don't know. I'm a little... <sighs> Boy, if this movie's terrible, that's going to be so damn disappointing. That's going to be hard for me to handle. Oh, it's going to be... It's Because I want a Justice League movie so bad. I want this movie to be so great. I mean, I like Man of Steel. I did. But I want this movie to be so great, and I I just don't. I'm like, you know, in Marvel we trust, uh, so I don't know about DC, but hopefully I'm gonna be so sad if that. And 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 then an, another one that I'm really worried about 
is I don't and I and I tweeted it because I don't know about anybody else, but I watch the X Men Apocalypse trailers and I am bored to death. Yeah, something about it just doesn't Oof. sit right with me, and I don't know what it is. Like I haven't I, been able to pinpoint it just yet. I mean, I'm looking at them and I'm just like, eh. What? Now, hopefully, hopefully, they've saved all the good stuff for when you're in the movie theater. Right, like maybe. I I don't know. Maybe. They didn't give it all away. How do you feel about the Ghostbusters? How are you feeling about that? I'm not really. You're not really feeling anything? I'm I'm just like, you know, Ghostbusters, I'm like, uh, maybe there might be a Tuesday or a Wednesday when I'm sitting at home and I'm like, you know, I need to kill two hours. Mm-hmm. I'll check out Ghostbusters. I mean, honestly, I don't. It's mm. you know we'll, we'll we'll get into that on another episode. It's just it's nothing against the actresses, but for whatever reason, I just don't feel a reboot of the franchise. I'm just like, oh hell yeah! I mean, I'm just like. I don't know. I just thought Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd just kind of knocked it out the box. And so I'm like, uh, you know, eh. and even Ghostbusters 2 was was okay, But, you know, it wasn't great as like the first one. I like Ghostbusters 2. I I mean, but we'll see. We shall see how well those ladies do. Didn't they have new edition on the soundtrack? Bobby Brown. (laughs) Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Brown. Brown. The soundtrack. Hey, that's a dope soundtrack, though. I know. Ghostbusters 2 was a really good soundtrack. It's a, listen, <laughs> Bobby Brown was R&B for a little while there. He was holding it down, for those that don't know. For those that don't know, look at Bobby Brown's discography and go look up his first album. And there's nothing but hits on there. Don't be sleeping on Bobby Brown. As crazy yeah, as he is, like what, like fourteen to about twenty-five or so. What? He was killing it, it. So don't sleep. Bobby Brown had a dope song on that Ghostbusters two soundtrack. It was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So hey, to all of our people out there, our tens of listeners, thank you. We'll see you again. Ms. Stewart. Mr. Chambers. Always a pleasure. Everybody out there, see ya. See ya.